Hi, gorgeous. How are you doing today? Welcome to the Lioness Method podcast. I am your host, Narissa Sue, and this po podcast is for fierce female leaders that have a heart-centered leadership style that are always looking to grow, expand, and open to more community. So today we are going to have the pleasure of speaking with Tasha Ray, and I am so excited to introduce her in just a minute, so stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, gorgeous ladies. Again, this we are going to have the pleasure of chatting with Miss Tasha Ray today. And I met this fabulous, gorgeous, divine being at She Podcast Live just a few months ago in Phoenix, Arizona. And I think it was Phoenix, but it was such a, a cool event. And one of the, the beautiful things that came from that is all these uh, partnerships that I've been able to create and all the great relationships that um, we really got to connect and just kind of vibe with each other and, and support each other because she is also a podcaster. And a little bit about Tasha then is she's a veteran investigative television journalist turned podcaster. And for nearly 14 years, she lived and worked in some of our nation's most exciting cities, covering breaking, uh, covering breaking health and wellness and political headlines. And in this capacity, she covered Coretta Scott King's funeral while living and working in Atlanta, Georgia. And additionally, during the second term of the Obama administration, she worked on a think tank, a think tank which met weekly at the White House. The purpose of being to address urban issues. Her favorite aspect of her work on the think tank was working to close gaps in education as it pertained to graduation dropout rates and reading literacy among disadvantaged youth in metropolitan district of Columbia communities. And Tasha has taken her experiences as an investigative journalist and is now applying those skills to the space of podcasting. Her podcast is entitled Woman Decoded. The aim of this podcast is to explore the intersections of womanhood, sexuality, and motherhood. Tasha was born in the 80s, and her mom was born in the 1950s. In just one generation, so much has changed. And in her mother's generation, motherhood and education were seen as a primary role of a woman, with marriage and motherhood being the metric of success upon which all women were measured. However, Tasha and her peers have found that while relationships are important, she and her generation don't view marriage through the same lens. So we are going to talk to Tasha today about all of these things. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you today? I am great. And thank you so much for having me. I am so excited for this conversation. Yes. And we were on your podcast not too long ago, having some really deep discussions just about just these very topics about womanhood and, and all the things. So how did you get the vision to start chatting with women specifically about sexuality and motherhood? Well, I just feel like in our society, oftentimes when we become mothers, it's as if our sexuality should become dormant 
or it should somehow be hidden. And it's like, well, sexuality is how I became a mother. So why is there this disconnect? So I just felt like speaking with um, women who were uh, further along in their quote unquote motherhood and or womanhood journey would lend some much needed perspective because I feel like all of us are still discovering what all it means for each of us in various different stages of mm -hmm. ourselves as women. And so I felt like connecting with other women, um, I just wanted to expand my community. And I felt like having a podcast on that topic would definitely do so. And it has, it's connected me to you. <laughs> no, and it's been so much fun. And that's what it is about. It's all about building community and having conversations that just kind of blow the top off the secret box right? We, we want to have the conversations that are uncomfortable. So other women know what's quote unquote normal, right? Even though I don't like the word normal, but if we just knowing that we have all of these complex emotions that come with motherhood. And I love that so much because I know I, you know, I have a, my son's going to be seven in just a few days and I've been having so many feelings about him being seven years old. I feel like it's gone by so quickly and just looking back on the journey of seven years, I feel like I have been seven different women in seven different years. I feel like the evolution of being a mother has completely changed. And, um, and in the very beginning, it's almost like I forgot I was a sexual being. Is that what you find when you speak to other women? Like what has been, um, what have been the big aha moments from all these juicy conversations you've been having? I would say the overall trend has been um, becoming a mother has made it very difficult to find an entryway back to sexuality because depending on where a woman was when they became a mom, like for me, for example, I became a mom later in life. I'm almost 40. And so my daughter is two. So my body, for example, isn't wasn't going to quote unquote snap back like it might have if I was uh, became a mother in my earlier years. So mm -hmm. um, there seemed to be an intersection um, when it came body positivity and the accept and then being able to show up with who we are sexually because it seemed to be that the older or more advanced in years that we, in years that we were it seemed that um accepting our bodies for what they are post-pregnancy seemed to be the biggest barrier and so that was one of the biggest ahas that i have been um i guess uncovering in our my various conversations mm -hmm. that that's such a, a a hot topic. So I was actually talking to an, a friend of mine who's a new mom, uh, like last week, actually, and she was really being hard on herself about not being able to lose the baby weight. And I was like, your baby is not even a year old, girl, and you are still breastfeeding and your body is doing all these miraculous things. Like give yourself some space, right. To, to come into your motherhood body and, and to adjust. Cause it doesn't, I, I don't, I, well, Actually, I know some women that had the snapback and it came back really quickly. And I don't know what that is. So it might be good genes. But, um, but is that also something that you find that people are just being overly hard on themselves? I would say yes from conversations. But I know particularly myself, um, 
I don't know if it was because of, you know, my chosen career path. So I'm used to being in front of the camera, but directly after my pregnancy, I didn't want to take any pictures. I didn't want to do any selfies and I didn't want to capture some of those moments. In hindsight, I captured some, but not as many as I would have liked because I was so ashamed. And I think one of the reasons for the shame was, um, for example, as trivial as it might seem on Instagram and various different social platforms, there is the hashtag snapback. And mm -hmm. there is so much celebration on the fact when women are able to snap back for whatever reason. And as you said, it could be various different reasons why. It could be um, genetics. It also could be lifestyle and support. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another missing element that's often not discussed. Because I feel like if a woman is able to snap back, that is um, reminiscent of her level of support. So for example, if she has a spouse and or partner who's able to take a more primary role, in the care of the child, then that mother has more flexibility to be able to exercise, whether in the home or outside of the home. But if the mother is the primary caretaker throughout the day during those critical moments, um, the focus is on uh, the child as opposed to getting their bodies back together. And so that was my mm -hmm. experience, especially also because I had my daughter in the winter months. And I think mm. you know, depending on where you are also geographically, for example, I live in New York and I know you don't live in New York where <laughs> we live and, in sunny California. <laughs> right. And it's a completely different experience for the winter time. Like uh, just yesterday was in, a, in the 60s here, which was huge. But today it's a winter advisory in the 30s. So, you know, what you can do outside also impacts the body. But specifically mm -hmm. when it comes to intimacy, I would say um, the biggest, I think, thing for me that changed uh, was I had to accept myself and turn off all of the internal noise in my mm -hmm. mind. And so the process for me in doing that was to, for example, I had to shield my self-confidence, if that makes sense. So oh, tell us about how do you how do you shield your self-confidence? I'm like, we need to know about this. <laughs> so for me, <laughs> Uh, steps. So first of all, I didn't watch uh, television and or look through regular magazines that I typically do. So I had gotten, um, you know, I had a subscription for self yoga and parenting. And for example, all of those magazines to me showed levels of perfection that I was never going to be able to attain. So mm -hmm. in order for me to shield myself, I um didn't allow myself to be bombarded with imagery that would make me feel worse. Mm. And so I also did a social media cleanse for three months. And in doing so, I feel like that enabled me to do some of the inner work that I had been avoiding. So I sat with myself, I sat with my body, and I came to terms with who I was uh, in that moment. And then also allowed myself to realize that I'm not always going to be that way. But if I am, I said that I would be okay with that. So mm -hmm. um, those were some of the things that I did to get past that hurdle. Beautiful. I love that. And I think that what you're saying is so true. I think that every woman goes to this, this relationship with her body over time as it changes. And there's just so many seasons of our body. But I think the most important thing that I'm hearing you say is that, you know, 
throughout every season of our life, it's the same body, right? So love your body in whatever form, whatever shape it is, like love your body now, right? And love your body. Don't hate on your body. And especially as mamas, like we have to realize that we just created a human with our body, right? And so if our breasts are a little stretchy and we have some lines and some things are a little bit out of place, it's like, they are, they are scars of beauty because, you know, life came from that and just being so accepting. And I love how you're saying, like, we don't need to hold ourselves to the standard, the, in, the perfection that's out there in the magazines. Because I think that, you know, what you're, what you're describing is like with the social media detox is like, just turn off all the noise and just be, right? Just be present and love your body. Yes, being in the moment. And then also, I don't know, um, I spoke to a couple moms also, and I said, when you were first in your um, postpartum journey, how many of you um, kind of rushed through shower time? And everyone said, well, obviously, because we have to get back to the baby. I said, but was that the only reason? Or was it because you didn't like what you felt when you were in the shower? Mm. And it was interesting to see that when I asked that question, I got a lot of responses that were, yeah, I didn't like what I felt. So I wanted to hurry through the process. And I feel like when you're able to enjoy shower and or bath, whatever your routine is, um, mm -hmm. I feel like that can be the beginning, or at least for me, it was the beginning of an entry back into intimacy. Mm, I love that. And, and are you a shower or a bath girl? I'm definitely a shower girl. I do yeah. enjoy baths, um, mm -hmm. but I always shower first. I don't know what that is. Because in my mind, I feel like I can't take a bath if I'm not clean. And so mm. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. But yeah, yeah I'm definitely a shower girl. <laughs> I love that. Uh, a friend of mine actually just reminded me of the luxury of taking a spiritual bath like and, mm -hmm. and just making it so beautiful and making it something that's almost like a, a ritual that you do for yourself to, to really love your body, right? Like putting uh, oils in the water and making sure that you have, you know, a bath pillow so you can lean up on your tub and feel comfortable or the little tray so you can bring some snacks and some water and read a book and really just soak in the luxury of relaxation. And I feel like as moms, we don't, uh, take a lot of those opportunities because we feel so hurried. Like we're like, oh my gosh, I got to just get clean really quick. And then I got to go feed the baby and I got to go clean this and prepare something for school tomorrow or whatever it is. We're constantly rushing. And so just kind of stealing those moments back uh, so we can create, create that uh, little intimacy with ourselves and our body again, I think is really important. What other things do you, uh, do you, suggest for women to start building intimacy with their own body, that self-love? Um, I would say one of the other cool things is I stopped looking for nightwear for partners and started looking for nightwear for myself. And mm. I found that that was, it was completely different. What I thought someone else might find to be attractive versus what I felt confident in. So there was a huge difference in what my nightwear looks like. And, you know, so for example, I might think someone might like um, a thong and a bra type 
um, lingerie. But, you know, at this point, I need a little bit more support, you know, so I have gone over to wearing, you know, corsets, for example, and various mm. different other what I feel is uh, flattering, um, like lace um, boy shorts, for example, it covers more skin, mm -hmm. but yet I'm able to feel like I was going to say, girl, I haven't worn a thong in a long time. That might have been one of the things that went away after I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, all of us have different tastes. And so even the yeah. different fabrics, you know, like I used to wear more um, satin type things. Satin isn't really conducive because I'm also doing a lot more sweating these days. Mm -hmm. Very yes. but sweating mm -hmm. intimacy doesn't really work for me. So I need to have breathable mm -hmm. materials. So I've also incorporated um, cottons into my nightwear that otherwise when I was uh, younger, I would have thought, oh, that's not sexy. But what I have figured is if I feel sexy, I exude sexiness. Mm, yes, I love that. Not necessarily a thing about what I might look like, but it's how I feel. And if I feel mm -hmm. that, then I can be that. I love that. And that's it. So it's, I love what you're saying because really it, it's going to be different for every woman. You know, it's not something that we can just look in a magazine and be like, okay, if I look like that, I'm going to feel sexy. Because um, I feel like some of the most unsexy moments I've ever had are when I'm actually trying to be sexy and I'm wearing something that I think will look sexy, but I feel so uncomfortable in it. And, and you're right. It is like the choice of fabric and all the things. So it's it's not what looks good from everybody else's um, perspective. It, it it totally comes down to personal taste. I love absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. And then another thing I would say um, that I did is I <laughs> have a thread where I celebrate where a couple of my mom friends we celebrate where we are, and so mm -hmm. we take um, pictures of ourselves um, and just send them to one another so that we can compliment one another, as opposed to putting them on social media or somewhere for it to be critiqued. And I mm -hmm. feel like just hearing positive affirmations from other women has also played a role in my own self-healing because, you know, we often say that we're our own worst critic, but being mm -hmm. able to see yourself through the eyes of someone else that actually cares about you um, is also something that I have found to be a useful strategy for healing. Mm, I love that so much. And the, and the support part. I mean, we really need our women our other women friends, and we need those relationships. I think, I feel like the older that we get, the more we need it. And unfortunately, I think sometimes we're, we're less apt to reach out to other women to create new relationships or friendships, or to even do some of the things that you're describing now. So I love that. So that's a great tip for everyone listening to just create more intimacy with your girlfriends. Absolutely. And speaking to the there's this thing, I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's like no new friends after 30. And <laughs> that is crazy, but it seems to be uh, an idea that we want to, I guess, protect ourselves from other, mm. um, I guess, hurt that can happen. And I feel like if we just switch our perspective and start looking at other women instead of looking at them as potential um, competition, for example, that we look to one another as potential sisters and aunts. And I feel like mm -hmm. that um, 
has made a big difference for me and my perspective. And then also realizing that, for example, you're a podcaster, I'm a podcaster. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, there could be uh, in my mind, oh, well, am I going to measure up to you? And it's a thing of we're in different lanes, but yet we have something valid to say. So I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, um, this whole concept, it clicked for me when I was listening to um, something that Oprah said. She says, you know, when um, you go to a bookstore and you're looking for um, a book on, you know, recipes, how many different books are there? There's a plethora of books. So the whole point is, is whatever your messaging is, there is someone and there's a community for you. And so you don't have to feel like whatever it is that you're doing or that you're interested in, that someone else is going to outshine you because I think that in our society it's so much pressure on us to succeed even if we're doing something for enjoyment it's like we have to be the best at being a mom or the best at you know a being a caretaker for example if we're doing that mm -hmm. for other people then it's like there's always a metric of success but it's all the goalpost seems to always be moving for us it's like it's never a situation where we arrive so I feel like just accepting the fact that we can all be successful in our various different ways and capacities. I feel like that has been uh, really critical for me in how I view even my relationships with other women. Hmm. I love that. I love that. And I, I strongly believe that. I actually, I don't believe in competition. I believe that competition is an illusion that was created to separate and divide us. Because at the end of the day, even if you're running a race, you're literally competing against another athlete, you're not really competing against that athlete. You're competing against you. You're competing against your dedication, your focus, uh, and your uh, consistency, right? And so I, when we start looking at, yes, we all are out there shining, and ultimately, we can do more when we rise together, when we, you know, like we're, we're both podcasters, but I feel like it's so much fun and it's more playful when we get to play together, right? Absolutely. And, and it becomes a community instead of a bunch of people just trying to, to put forward their own agendas. Because at the end of the day, I feel like we all want the same thing. We all want the same thing. We want deep fulfillment and we want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be felt and we want to make a difference. You know, we want to make a difference in other people's lives. And we can do so much of that when we come together and just share our hearts like this. So I, I just appreciate you for sharing all of that. Thank you. And I just love your energy, too. I mean, I know that obviously we're on two different sides of the planet, but whenever we communicate, I legit feel your energy. And I just mm -hmm. feel like it is so warm and it's so accepting. And I just love whenever we get to have these conversations. Oh, thank you. Well, I was immediately drawn to you when we were at the, the podcast conference, just because your beautiful smile and your energy. So I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a woman I need to know. So <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we had a chance to have the conversation. So what else can you share with us? What, what are some other gems that you have learned um, from interviewing uh, so many moms and talking about sexuality? Also, I would say another thing um, that has come up is self-exploration. For whatever reason, it seems like so much of our sexuality is intertwined into pleasuring others as mm. opposed to pleasure 
pleasuring ourselves. So um, I have had some really juicy conversations on. Um, I was going to say, this is definitely a juicy conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and like, if, if your ears were not fully engaged, they are now. <laughs> right. On, you know, just realizing that while we are mothers and while our bodies have been a temple or portal so that we could bring over our children, um, it is also a place where we can really tap in. And so one of the ways to do that is to, for me, for example, I have been exploring various different toys and I have used um, some of the popular ones like the Womanizer and the Rose. And I was going to ask you, have you tried the Rose? Everybody's talking about that toy. The Rose, I feel like is transformative. I don't know Ooh. what it is about that thing, but I feel like it's, even though it Did is- Did you hear her, lady? She said transformative. I think I need to drop a link to this Rose business. <laughs> She's like, and my Amazon link is- <laughs> <laughs> It's so the thing about it is it is an external uh, clitoral stimulation choy. However, using it in that region, it somehow creates a suction. And in doing so, it makes your body feel like there is internal stimulation, even though it's on the outside. Hmm. So that's the reason why I find it to be so pleasurable because I really <laughs> don't like to have stuff honestly done on the outside because I'm just not deep into clitoral stimulant because mine is so sensitive. And so <laughs> you, know, you have to do a lot. Well, it is a delicate flower. Yes. Right. <laughs> for whatever reason, that particular toy, it's like, my goodness. And then I've tried it in very, because I also have um, come to the conclusion that depending on where we are in our cycles, that's mm -hmm. also going to impact our ability to really tap into a sexual exploration with ourselves or with else. I just, I would try, I self-play um, along in my cycle, most can doing so found that consistently this toy was able to perform well, you know, mm -hmm. so that is something that uh, has been a very fun journey. And also just the idea that there is more out there for me to discover that in and of itself is fun because, you know, all of us have kind of been having sex for a while now, mm -hmm. but I Just will be the first, <laughs> I'll be the first to say that I don't feel like I've started having good sex as far as me actually getting something out of it. Um, I think that's been the last maybe six years. Mm -hmm. um, prior to that, all of the intimate encounters that I had, it was, um, partner focused sex mm. as opposed to me being inclusive in the situation. Cause I felt like my ability, my performance and how the other person felt um, was so intertwined into my uh, pleasure that I wasn't able to feel or even think that I was worth you know, someone taking time to discover or me even exploring myself, you know, so that mm -hmm. I can also get something out of the exchange. So once my That's mind- so powerful right there. Like, I, I want to talk about that just for a second, because yeah. I know that there's a woman listening that probably hasn't even begun to explore her own Hello Kitty. And it's really important to understand, like, how to- how to drive our and how to drive our own pleasure, how to pleasure ourselves simply for 
the purpose of pleasuring ourselves, right? And that it doesn't have to be uh, to please a partner. And when we have that in alignment, just like you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is, is that when we have that, when we know how to pleasure ourselves, then sex is even better with a partner. Oh, absolutely. And I want to also bring up the fact that the sex that we see on television, even in <laughs> you know, the best of scenarios, it makes it seem like it is a ready, start, go type situation. And mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I, I take time to warm up. You know, mm -hmm. just like in the winter time with the car. I think most women need some time to warm up the car, right? right? You can't just, right. yeah. And the it's whole very idea, fast in the movies. <laughs> right. You can just turn on even a toy or even a situation with a partner and your body is supposed to rev up. You know, I have to set the scene. So I have, um, rather I use like scented candles. I like to also clear my space. I like to use sage. Um, I also like to put various different crystals around and really ground mm -hmm. myself. Um, and then, like I said, I might decide to use um, music, instrumental music. And in doing so, I'm able to create an environment where my mind is able to be present. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, I can uh, start the process. And it's not necessarily a thing of, you know, let me just start touching my body randomly. Like for me, mm -hmm. Um, my process has always been, especially these last few years, to just lay there in the moment. And then wherever I start to feel sensation, to go to that place, as opposed mm. to me just going to, you know, the typical places, you know, that we mm. might think to do. And I have um, discovered different places on my body, erogenous zones that aren't necessarily erogenous zones. You know, for example, the back of my ear, that's not necessarily mm. an erogenous zone. Oh, it or, definitely can be. Yeah. Or, you know, just my neck and just the finger. And then I will mm -hmm. feel a tingle. And it's like, I don't remember, recall feeling a tingle in that same place in that <laughs> intensity, but it's something mm -hmm. about being quiet in a place where, you know, it's just yourself and you don't have to show up as anything other than who you are. And I feel mm -hmm. like just that act in and of itself is intimate and can be a really great entry and starting place. And and I, I love how you're listening to your intuition as well and letting your body guide you through this through this connection, right? And let me ask you a question. I know you interrupted you, but I'm, um, what do you what do you think about? What do I think about in the moment? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm typically thinking about what not to think about, which is mm. <laughs> my running to do list as a okay. you know a woman, a mom, and all the various different hats. So for me, the task is to stop all of the uh, chatter. And once I'm able to do that, that typically takes about five to 10 minutes, depending on what's going on in my life. But after I'm able to quiet all of that, I start to just um, allow myself to drift off into what I call my fantasy world. And mm. in my fantasy world, it is typically a beach location. And I think it's because water speaks to me. I don't know if it's because I have a Caribbean background, 
I don't know mm-hmm. if, what that is, if that's the connection. But for me, water has always been the entry way to pleasure for me. And so um, I might spray myself with water. Um, I might come right out of the shower and I might still be wet and allow myself to air dry and just lay on my bed like that. And then, you know, start to use oils. But um, what I think about is typically a serene setting. Mm, and, I like that. We need a little bit more calm. Right. And setting, yes. having that serene setting in my mind, mm-hmm. I'm able to then really tap in. And relax. I love that. Now, I asked that question because I, I had a guest uh, not too long ago. Her name was Amanda, and she teaches. She's an amazing priestess. She teaches all about Tantra. And she was um, sharing with us about when you when a woman is self-pleasuring to actually think about the things that you want to manifest, right? And and to really take the time to focus your your healing energy because your healing your sexual energy is your healing energy on yourself, right? And so actually really loving yourself in that moment and and not um, like going into a scenario so much with like another person, but actually using that time as a self-love container, which I thought was so, so beautiful. I actually participated in a couple different exercises like that. I did a Tantra um, exercise when was it? I think it was around November. Anyway, um, what was very interesting to me was, like you said, the connection between manifesting and sexuality. And typically, we don't realize often that our sexuality is often or can be a portal for creativity Mm -hmm. or for creation. And so um, if you are in a heightened state sexually, you can, I feel it amplifies our ability as women to cultivate what it is we are thinking about. Because sometimes that creative idea for a book or for a project, it might be there in our subconscious, but we might not have access to it because of all the other noise. But Mm -hmm. in a euphoric state of pleasure, you're able to tap into a deeper part of ourselves, I feel like. And I feel that I have seen evidence in my own life of when I'm able to have almost like a laser focus on my goals when I'm in a euphoric state. So absolutely, there's definitely a connection. Yes, I love that. And what a great topic. It's so funny. The last two episodes have all been about sex and I love it. <laughs> I'm we like, what a juicy topic. We do. We need to have more conversations and just, you know, and especially amongst our girlfriends and just in general. So there's no, there really are no taboos, you guys. It's, it's just about uh, receiving each other's commentary with curiosity and, and the, the honest uh, openness to want to learn and just kind of share the knowledge, right? So we can have these deeper experiences just in life. And I love how we really haven't talked too much about, you know, uh, partner, partner sex either, because um, I've been celibate for, for quite a while now. And that has been something that I've chosen, um, you know, until I find the right person to be in relationship with it uh, again. But it's given me such an opportunity to get to know myself and to really explore um, what it is, like who I am, what I want, what I like, and all of those things. Uh, so everything that you're saying kind of lends to that theme of self-exploration and learning 
like, what do you want? Like, if that's a question of a lifetime, if for the lady listening, like, what do you want? <laughs> I think that's a meme, right? From the notebook. <laughs> and then also what you want today could be different than what you wanted, you know, a decade or five, you know, years ago, or even two weeks ago, mm -hmm. you know, and just deciding to be intentional about tapping into ourselves as women. And like you said, I am very <laughs> strategic about removing all of the pressure that I feel from society and, you know, from just this need to measure up. It's almost like if your body isn't a certain body, then you don't deserve to be loved or you don't deserve to even explore your sexuality. So I feel like, you know, for me, being intentional about what I enjoy, what feels good to me, you know, what I am curious about. You know, because my mom, she's often asked me, you know, why are you so into sex? <laughs> You're like, why you know, not, mom? <laughs> and my thing is, I just feel like, you know, we only have one life. You know, like the kids mm -hmm. say, you only live once. But I just feel like so often when it comes to sex, um, there's so much mystery. And what I might like, you might, you know, be appalled by and vice versa. But that's okay. We're all into different things and we're in different phases and stages. And I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, just talking about the topic, it might ignite in someone else, you know, a curiosity of, you know, what, well, you know, what do I like? Do I like, you know, different types of clothing or do I like, you know, hot and cold play? Do I like, you know, there's all different types of things that you can explore with that you don't mm -hmm. need to have another person there. And I feel mm -hmm. like when you are fully accepting of self, then if you choose to, um, you can invite someone else in. And I feel like there's a misconception that you can't have a full sex life if you're not in a relationship or you can't be in a full, you can't fully explore your sexuality if you're not doing it with someone else. And I feel like that is something that I am working to try to dismiss. <laughs> <that. laughs> and rightly so. I, I think I, I'm in agreement. And it's, it is a, an exploration of getting to know yourself and having a good relationship with yourself first, and then being able to bring that whole person into a relationship. Because I, I really believe that's what a healthy relationship is. It's not like, oh, you complete me. It's like two whole people that know what they like, know how to please themselves. They know what makes themselves tick. Mm -hmm. And they come together for play, right? They come together to play and to create. And I I love that. I also call it that too. I call it sex play because I feel <laughs> like, like you said, it should be this thing of exchange and fun. And instead of feeling like this pressure task that you need to power through. And that's mm -hmm. something that it was a theme in a couple of the conversations that I had with other moms and, you know, across the board, it was like feeling like there was because of the partner that they were with husband or whatever, uh, or even, you know, same sex situations. It was this idea of feeling like they needed to be something for that person that they weren't able to authentically be, but they not necessarily faked like you do in an orgasm but faked showing up and faked the desire when there wasn't true desire. And mm -hmm. I feel like just being able to communicate those things and being honest with yourself and then with, by extension, whomever you might be with, you know, and saying, you know, like, I'm not on my cycle. I didn't have a hard day. 
I'm just not in the mood. And mm-hmm. for that to be okay, I feel like it's also a really good um, thing in place to have, you know, uh, to be able to advocate for ourselves. Because I just feel that when you can communicate your truth in the moment, everything mm-hmm. else can blossom from that, I think. Mm, that's so beautiful. I love that. Well, I think that is a great place for us to end. This has been such a, an, a juicy conversation. And I love all the things that we just went. We went through a full range of emotion right now. <laughs> we definitely do. And I think it all comes back to just self-love, right? It comes back to that exploration of yourself. Like, what do you like? So if there's any, ta- what do you want the audience to take away today? What's your takeaway? Um. I would say the biggest takeaway for me is just enjoy yourself. And when you enjoy yourself, that lends itself to enjoying others as well. It starts with you. Beautiful. I love that. And how can they find you? What's the best way to reach you? Well, I am on all of the platforms. Um, Womanhood Decoded is the name of my podcast, the Womanhood Decoded podcast on Instagram, also on LinkedIn, Facebook. So you just type in either Tasha Ray or Womanhood Decoded. And then I'm also on all of the podcast streaming services as well, Womanhood Decoded and Tasha Ray. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Tasha. And thank you to the lovely woman who is listening all the way to the end of this podcast episode. We so appreciate you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, then like and share. So everyone, uh, so other people, this will reach other people because I am all about edifying the voices of women so we can uplift each other and we can inspire each other to just blossom a little bit bigger and brighter. And with that, I want you, I want to encourage you guys to live in gratitude and be light until next time, guys. Bye.